Well, hello, it's me again, Wade Johnson, and welcome to my podcast. This is one about establishing and maintaining effective relationships with subordinates. Now, I want you to know that while I'll be talking about getting along with your subordinates, this information will also be useful when dealing with anyone inside or outside the organization. I'm going to share an article with you that I came across back in 1961. It was written by James F. Lincoln, an executive with Devon Adair Company in New York. And it was called A New Approach to Industrial Economics. And it says, Human nature solves, uh, <laughs> sorry, human nature works the same way in the office or factory as it does in the community, in social situations or at home. Show a person you are generally concerned about them, not as a gear in your department machinery, but as a real human being with feelings and problems and needs, and they will respond by showing an interest in your problems and objectives. It stands to reason that since the boss is the most important individual in an employee's life on the job, he or she will be the number one detriment when it comes to generating loyalty and morale in its absence. In your role as a boss, what positive action can you take to convince your people you are honestly interested in their welfare and development and progress? Many bosses think of their employees as a little above an animal. Every worker in the shop has abilities that the boss does not have. These abilities are essential if the business is to succeed. And yet, the boss often looks down at the wage earner, mentally and in the treatment of the subordinate. This attitude is a result of habit. A generation ago, the boss actually was in a dominant position, having greater knowledge, skills, and experience than the worker. But that time has largely passed in present-day industry. The worker today is an expert. You, he has, uh, or she has abilities that are far beyond the bosses and whose contribution is completely necessary if industry is to succeed and progress. Well, that was written in 1961, and it certainly is even more relevant today. I've talked about leadership and stewardship and management, so you're not ignorant of my philosophy regarding the job of the boss or the one in charge. I have made it clear, or at least I hope I have made it clear, that a boss on any level of the hierarchy is not the king or queen, whichever the case may be. The organization is the sovereign. Everything that happens must benefit the organization, and the job of the boss is to see that that happens. In this podcast, you will notice some redundancy. I will repeat some items in other words as to ensure my message gets through. And I admit it sounds a bit like a laundry list of do's and don'ts. But bear with me. I I think it will still be helpful. As the boss, you are responsible for the crew's behavior and all activities they take Uh, toward accomplishment of the mission and objectives assigned to them. Here are four things I want you to keep in mind. Subordinates do not work for you. They work for the company. They report to you. Subordinates are there to help you get your work done in your area by providing skills, time, energy, and effective and active participation. You are there to help them help you get your job done by providing resources, encouragement, and training. Subordinates are human beings with feelings. Their ability to do the task at hand depends on their comfort level within the organization or the department. To ensure active, willing participation, the supervisor must have a relationship 
with those who work in the unit or the department. This means they know you and you know them. They appreciate you and you appreciate them. An effective senior subordinate relationship is determined by the manager's ability to secure the respect and trust of subordinates toward you as their boss and the company as their employer. So how do you secure respect and trust? Well, the company must have clear rules, policies, and standard operating procedures that guide the course of human effort into productive accomplishment that benefits the company and brings satisfaction to the employees. And those policies and procedures and standards should not always be changing. The supervisor must be able to communicate those rules and standards and enforce them in such a way as to create faith in those rules. The supervisor must know their people and understand what motivates them. This one unquestionably is the most difficult one to master. People are individuals who function according to their own emotional makeup. The supervisor must establish a comfortable working climate for each person that reports to them. As a person who has agreed to assume the burden of management, the supervisor deserves the employee's respect and confidence and loyal support from those in the work unit. It is the company's desire to see that all supervisors merit the support of their employees. This can be assured by working together for the best interest of all with the full knowledge that we must depend on each other for success. So what influences the relationship of our subordinates? Well, our perception of the role of the subordinates and their value to the organization. An understanding of what your people expect from their jobs and you as their leader and what is needed to satisfy those expectations. Knowing what you can realistically expect from them and how to hold them accountable. The social distance between you and your subordinates. You know, having a drink with the boys is okay once in a while, but drinking with the boys, well, that's not okay. The status you enjoy as a leader in the eyes of those who report to you, as well as others in the company, as a result of earning their respect. What subordinates want from you, from their boss, is competent leadership. Your subordinates want you to provide structure, direction, security, and development. Plan their work. Provide training so they can do their work better. Assign them duties commensurate with their abilities and their capabilities. Hold them accountable for results. We will be delving into this item a lot more in the next several broadcasts. What causes subordinates to feel that they need to take steps to protect themselves? If you don't provide competent leadership, capable personnel will seek employment elsewhere, and the less competent will devise ways to protect themselves. They will find ways to protect themselves. You can bet on it. They may feel a need to protect themselves because of incompetent leadership has caused them to not trust the boss, or that uncomfortable relationship will cause feelings of inferiority, and inferiority kills commitment. Some of the ways they protect themselves. Subordinates who have doubts about their skills are apt to avoid feedback, to misinterpret performance criteria, and to fall apart by a critical evaluation. They tend to stick with their routine matters. They are also unlikely to initiate new activities. These people feel out of step with their colleagues, and indeed, if left alone, they soon will be. These people can these people avoid contact with the boss especially open discussions regarding competence, feelings of incompetence or ambiguity about what is expected from the job. 
These subordinates are unwilling to cooperate with programs in their department because they believe that they can make no real contribution to it. They do everything to the letter of the law and not the spirit. We call this hostile compliance. I've got more on this in a later podcast. And they will do anything unless you tell them to. They will not do anything unless you tell them to. They will jerry-rig equipment so it doesn't go down on their shift. They stay out of sight. They take no risk. They may even seek union representation. Is our objective as managers to try to rid subordinates of self-protectedness? Well, I would say that's a good thing. Another hindrance occurs when subordinates' initiative is viewed as a threat by the boss. If the subordinate believes that an initiative on their part will meet some kind of punishment, then they will likely shy away from such behavior. In this case, the subordinate may just take orders and not contribute any worthwhile information. So how do we get commitment? Well, consider the employee's self-interest. The subordinate's self-interest will greatly affect the commitment toward the job. Many times, a subordinate will not fully commit to a project or goals of the boss because the employees feel that it's not in their best interest. Or, in other words, they will not get satisfaction from the task as they would some other task of their own choosing. Make, your, make it your business to see that they are satisfied with the work they are doing and serving under the conditions that are conducive to their success. Realize that each person who works for you has a family, plans, dreams, desires, and problems, a mortgage, and endeavor to treat each person with dignity and respect, realizing that a continuous flow of information and rapport between employees and management is necessary for the simplicity of normal operations. When I was in the Navy, I I had just completed some business in an office on base, and I was waiting for the base bus to come by and take me to my next scheduled event. I witnessed an old, tough, first-class gunner's mate supervising a working party. I noticed there were several places where holes had been dug and covered over. The supervisor came out of the building, looked at the newly dug hole, scratched his head, and pointed to another spot. He said, okay, dig another one here, five by six by six. One of the guys in the working party said, Say, Gunner, why are we digging these holes? The gunner's mate said, Because I said so. Are we being punished for something? He said. If so, tell us what we're being punished for. The old salt then confessed a water pipe burst sometime during the night, and they need to locate the pipe so they can be so it can be fixed. There's no water for showers or shaving or coffee in the administrative office, and we need to fix it. The working party looked at each other with disgust and shook their heads. If you would have told us, you could have saved us a lot of time and trouble and needless work and the hours that you've been out of water. We found that pipe in the first hole that you had us dig. We thought we burst it, so we fixed it and covered it up so you wouldn't notice it so we wouldn't get in trouble. The supervisor was furious. You mean to tell me that we've been without water all this time? <laughs> Well, think about it. And he did. Later on, he realized that he should have told them what he wanted. Make your orders clear. Let us know the reason. Let them know the results that you want and have at it. Let them have at it. They'll make it happen. If you tell them what to expect from them, well, it's easier to get what you want. In a later podcast, I will talk, take up the subject of how to give orders. So we pay attention to our people. We make it our business to Talk to each one every day, make rounds and visit with them, develop employee self-reliance and confidence with an ongoing 
program of training and experiential work assignments. Endeavor to create a team spirit, a team with a that will fit together smoothly for a continuous operation with the maximum efficiency, safety, reliability, and a trouble-free atmosphere. The mission of management is to promote and facilitate the attainment of organizational objectives with the efforts of others. A proper relationship with others will ensure this every day in every situation. Well, that's it for this segment. Please tune in to the next one and go to Amazon.com, slant book, slant Lawrence Wade Johnson, and buy one or more of my books. You're listening to Wade Johnson. Good day.